Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I'm your host, Nick Jenkins, and today I am joined by three friends. First, Bill Mead. Hello. Hi, everybody. Sari Riley. Hello. And Tobin Addington. Hey there. And we're going to discuss our first ever uh, listener submission through our Patreon. Uh, This was submitted by Carly B. Thank you, Carly B. And we're going to talk about a movie that I think all of us might have some conflicting feels on. Uh, this is about the 1999 film Existence, which is directed by the great, I'm going to say that, the great David Cronenberg. Um, and uh, I have many complicated feelings about this film, uh, but we'll get into those as <laughs> as this goes on. This is interesting to me because this is a uh, fairly, not a high-budgeted film, but a mid-budgeted film. 30 million Canadian. I don't know what that was in 99, but that was where it was filmed. So $30 million. Which initially I say this film should look a little better for thirty million dollars, but you know that's fine. Uh, Jude Law stars in this uh, along with Jennifer Jason Leigh, two actors I like very much, along with a cast of actors I like very much. Willem Dafoe, uh, Ian Holm shows up in this out of nowhere. Uh, just a, a lot of really good actors working with a good director to create what is probably. The weirdest, yeah, the weirdest movie I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, so, yeah. But before we get too far into our discussion, everybody's got blank stares right now because they're like, oh, how are we going to start this? <laughs> um, <laughs> before we get too far into it, though, we need to do a 60-second plot dump, and that person is going to be Sari. Oh, shit. I forgot about this part. <laughs> you want to borrow my notes? Oh, I, I mean, I have notes. We'll see what <laughs> what this is going to be. Oh, boy. This is this is like, tell me Inception in 60 seconds. Yeah, you know? this is like, surprise. I know how to do slideshow tangents 60 seconds where I'm very prepared. This is, well. You do your best. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. 60 second plot dump, plot dump of Existence in three, two, one. So it opens on like a game dev room or something like that, where there is a game designer who's debuting Existence, which is this game that you have to start playing by plugging into this weird fleshy console thing. And so a bunch of volunteers get up on stage, they like play with their fleshy console things. And then an assassin comes up from the audience and shoots the main game designer with a tooth gun. Uh, And then she goes on the run with who is supposedly a marketing officer in the company that she works for. He gets a hole to get plugged into the game. They get deeper into the game. And then within that, they're like at a trout farm and at a Chinese restaurant. And then he makes a tooth gun. And that's when things start getting very weird. And you're like in the game, out the game, in the game, out the game. Uh, And then at the very end, you find out that they were all in a game this whole time. And they both kill the real game designer. I didn't write that in the name, but it also had two capital letters in it. The end. Wow. I really like how you said when they made the second tooth gun is when the game got, where the movie got weird. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Up until then. (laughs) I I really like the tooth gun thing, though. (laughs) Like that stood out to me. I have more to say about the tooth gun, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to get initial impressions before we go on too far. Sari, since you're already sort of talking, tell, tell me about your experience with this. Um, it was a very weird experience because I, I don't know what you said to preface it to me, but I think you were like, October is a spooky horror movie month. And so I went in thinking that this was going to be like extremely gory or extremely, I don't know, horror, not just body horror, but mm-hmm. like... I don't know, spooks and ghouls horror. Um, Murderers, something. Yeah, something. Uh, But it ended up being like a very weird sci-fi twists and turns and strange plots and things like that. Um, I don't know anything about David David Cronenberg. Uh, I 
the only actor that I would recognize by name is Jude Law, but I recognized a lot of faces in this. Oh, hey, that guy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like, that. that happened, like, five or six times in the movie. Yeah. I was like, oh, that guy. <laughs> well, there was Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, I, there was Doctor Who and a Cylon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I yeah. forgot Keith Callum Renee is in this. And he's like, and I, and I was like, where do I know him from? Yeah. So that happened a lot. And I think by the end of it, I... There were a few too many twists for me, and it felt like the theme of the... I, I'm not quite sure I understand the theme. Is It's like anti-technology, but there's also some like body, homosexuality, horror-related themes in there. Um, so, yeah, there, there's yeah. a lot of complex stuff, which I want to get into more of at some yeah. point, but... I, yeah. But I'm not sure I understand all of it is yes. my biggest thing. Yeah. So this is this is all So all this to say, I had a lot of random feelings toward it. <laughs> and I think there were a lot of really good ideas and I thought it was a really interesting amalgam of ideas that I'd never seen in things before, like hiding a gun by making it out of flesh. Uh my favorite part that I'm gonna probably bring up <laughs> twenty times. Um but the inconsistency in what it was saying or sometimes it felt like it was just surprising for the sake of being surprising made me overall like 24 hours later after watching it i'm like i don't know how i feel and maybe i'll have a better (laughs) idea after this conversation i love walking out of a movie and be like yeah that was great and then uh, 24 hours later it's like did i actually like that yeah (laughs) yeah um bill what was your experience with it now you had never seen this correct no i had seen this before and this was my first cronenberg that i remember oh because i saw this once a long time ago uh and the netflix every cronenberg film is someone's first cronenberg film yeah that's true (laughs) uh this was in the before netflix was streaming days and i had a friend who liked a lot of i'd say you know horror movies and I, I i don't like to use that title for this as like sari said it wasn't really like a jump scare mm-hmm. horror movie it was just look at these oogly bits horror movie yeah this was like the movie equivalent of touching a bowl of grapes and someone telling you it was eyes oh yeah yeah Good call. that's a yeah Good call. and but you know it was my second time watching this and this time i was definitely into it i wasn't in my 20s so i was much more sober and my lovely wife was there not with completely me the whole time. sober, just more sober. <laughs> I, I, you know, it was it was a. In You've and had out a long week. <laughs> I had a long week, but no, it was. I, I watched it last night for the first time in many years, and you know, I the whole time, most of my experience was just looking at my wife and going, "I'm very sorry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a watch for sure. <laughs> okay, Tobin. Now you probably. Because you, at one point, owned this. This was one of the first DVDs I ever owned. This was wow. I- I- among like the first 10 DVDs I ever owned. Uh, I saw it in college and really, um, I don't know that I liked it. No, I will say I liked it. But even more than that, I was like, it, was, it, it affected me yeah. in a way. Or, you know, it crawled in my brain and, you know, like sat around for a while and uh spoiled exactly yeah exactly (laughs) decayed in my brain yeah um i don't think it was my first cronenberg it was among my first cronenberg movies and i uh and so i watched a lot in college and then hadn't seen it in you know probably 15 years and did not care for it i saw its flaws a lot more this time than i did i think at the at the time uh but there are still Things came up and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That is a cool idea. And then it would sort of melt away into other things. But yeah. it was a very different watch this time. Um, it was a very similar watch for me. So I didn't see this until I was in my 20s. Um, and I went on this, there was a period of about six months when I was in my like 23, 24, somewhere around there where every weekend my wife at the time was uh, going to school on the weekends. And so I, I would just rent movies that I would just watch the whole weekend because I was I was going through Roger Ebert's uh, 100 Great Films and just like pick, 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 pick. And then occasionally I would get something else. And I had kind of fallen in love with Cronenberg. Like I loved The Fly, even though it freaked me out. I really like, um, uh, what was the, I liked Rabid, even though it's not great. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. <laughs> um and uh, there was just there were a lot of his films that I really, really liked. And I liked some of the work that he did after that quite a bit, too. I think my favorite Cronenberg film is actually uh, Eastern Promises, mm, yeah. um, which I really, really like. And it's just a it's a drama thriller like that's there's no body horror. Well, there's some there's 
he always makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> and I, at the time, as I was sort of starting to learn filmmaking, I was enamored with the way Cronenberg could make me feel uncomfortable with anything. Like it didn't just have to be gross body horror there. Oh, The Brood. That's one of my favorites, actually. Mm. And I used to teach that film in a horror class. And like there is a lot that is very teachable about Cronenberg and his ideas. Um, so he does a lot of body horror. And if you don't know what body horror, horror is, usually it involves some sort of breakdown of the body of the human body. And the fly is the best example of that in all of his work, but it's there in everything. Scanners is another big one of his. There's always something wrong with the body from the inside and it's rotting. And and then, and we all fear the failure of our own bodies. Um, and so a lot of his have a lot of cancer phobia and, and things like that. And that translates into existence. There's, there's quite a bit of that here. Um, I don't know why, it's in existence. So this is a movie about video games, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to call them video games because they all take place within the mind. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, I don't even know if they call it a video game. I think they just call it's it a game. A game. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a game. This is before MMORPGs? It's 99, so I met, was EverQuest around then or at least? I'm not sure. I feel like it was. It, not it's that gonna I be, would remember, but I it's think it's going to be close. Sari's on it, and I'm if not, it. there's probably something that came up before that preceded mm. EverQuest. Like there was probably a much more less 3D. It's very possible. Option. EverQuest oh. was released in 1999. Okay, so, so that's not what this yeah. was based on. But you know, the idea of an of a massive world game was not mm -hmm. foreign. It just wasn't something that we hadn't we didn't have World of Warcraft yet for sure. Mm -hmm. So. So the idea here, the, the one of the problems that this movie falls into for me is that the idea of the game that you live in and you become a character mm -hmm. is also coupled with the idea of a game that has levels to achieve and winning in some sort of winning. Because at the end where Jennifer Jason Lee is like, did I win? Did I win the game? Mm -hmm. You know, and there isn't so much a feeling of winning in MMORPGs now, you know, no. it's just, you exist with your, with your guild and you go on adventures and then, and then that's it. So there's not really a sense of winning or losing. Mm. Um, so that was a bit odd to watch now, but for me mainly, this is one of the most unpleasant films I've ever seen. Um, it, it's just unpleasant. Like the, the idea of being jacked into your spine with this umbilical cord um, hooked up to a, a little, uh, meat controller like that moves and kind of makes noise and then there's a really effectively horrifying sequence where they're in the next level of the game they get the little controllers and it just goes right into their bodies like the whole controller gets sucked in which is horrifying but also like it's effective I, w I was just <laughs> like I, I am unsettled by this movie on so many levels that I don't feel like are effective for telling the movie's story. Mm -hmm. I'm at odds. Like, I feel like there are things that are at odds with each other in this film. So that's my takeaway of it mm -hmm. <laughs> is really, it was unpleasant, unnecessarily unpleasant. I don't know who the fuck would want to play this game. I don't know why anyone <laughs> would want to spend time in this world. Like at the trout farm, it's not pretty. It's not like cool sci-fi in any way. It's just gross. Like everything's gross and not gross in like a, you know, uh, uh, Mordor kind of way, you know, not like even with slime or anything that it's like you're in a hell place. It's just like a nightmare, like an honest to goodness nightmare world where the bathroom is too filthy. Like it's <laughs> yeah. that might be a personal nightmare I've, I've had, but it's a big one for me where you just there is no clean bathroom and you have to find a bathroom. Ugh. But that so <laughs> unpleasant. Mm -hmm was my experience. That's, that's a perfectly good description, I think. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it kind of felt like they were merging two kinds of video games into one. So like you, really? you described it as an MMOR. That's <laughs> hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> one of those things. You described it as an MMORPG. Right. Um, which makes sense if you have a team of people all going into the game at the same time and they each yeah. control their own character. Which they do. Which they do. Sort of. Sort of. But the thing that I thought it was closer to an analog of was like, I don't know. I, I can't leave a good example now. Heavy Rain, maybe? Or like mm. a game in which you are 
a character trying to solve a mystery. And so like all the NPCs are working towards that. And that I could see being marketed as, okay, you enter a game experience with 10 other people. All of you are trying to solve a collective mystery. In this case, like who's the double agent? Who's the, who are the bad people? You kill like the big bad and then you win. It's like a, uh, a mystery dinner. Yeah, murder where you mystery party. Get your yeah. roles, right? Yeah. And one of you, you might, and it might be your role, might be the first to be killed. Yes, right. So, um, but which would suck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. all this time to go and suit, get suited up and costumed, and then oh, you die. Yeah, you die in the first two minutes of the film. Yeah, uh, or the game. Um, so that is the type of game that I almost thought it was. Like this is a pitched as an interactive experience that you enter with your friends or strangers and so there is a win condition and it's when you've mm-hmm. solved whatever puzzle uh that has been set out for you and that fits in with the schema of okay you talk to the npc and he tells you to go eat lunch at the chinese restaurant and then you have to order the special and then you have to enter a cut scene in which you decide what to do uh and that sort of like progressive narrative that handholdy uh you make some choices then you wait for things to happen to you, then you make some more choices, feels like not an MMORPG to me. I agree with that. Um, and it was something that I hadn't thought of. Um, but there are still, and you know, not even MMORPGs, but Skyrim, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are Skyrim players. I sure am. Um, but that idea of, uh, th- there were neat things in here, like where if they didn't say the right thing to the guy, to the, to the NPC, he would just sort of phase out mm-hmm. and start rocking back and <laughs> forth until you gave him the right cues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like stuff like that. It was, it was like sprinkled with it. But my big problem was I was not clear on, they talk about how, um, what is her name? Allegra? Allegra, Allegra Geller. Geller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Friends was on at that time. So, you know, <laughs> that's, where my, that's where my brain went. Um, they talk about her being an amazing game designer. And, Stuff like that can get under my skin because it's like, if you're going to build up and build up and build up, there better be something to show me. And I never felt that. I never felt like this was an incredibly well-designed game. Um, Even though there were interesting hints of it. I'm also, can somebody explain to me? No. (laughs) Probably no, yeah. (laughs) Probably not. Can somebody maybe explain to me who the revolutionaries were? You're talking about the realist? Is that what... Yes. Because they're on every level of the game. Yes. And in reality, quote unquote reality, because we don't know at the end if they're actually back to reality. Mm-hmm. So I was under the impression that if, if by the way, the, the thing that I hate the most is the twist of this. <laughs> Which so, one? The the last twist. The very last, like, is this the game? Because I hate that they're trying to do this world building, but you can't really, after you're done with the movie, invest in that as a part of the discussion. Because I want to talk about the game. But it's like, well, that wasn't the game. And it's like, well, fuck you, movie. But with the realist, sorry, guys, I'm upset. <laughs> Bill digresses. I digress. But the, the realist, uh, I thought, like, so Allegra is so successful and this game is so mind-altering and changing that I believe that there are these people who are sort of ludites or violent ludite revolutionaries who are against having your mind and body altered. That was my understanding of it. And so Allegra is kind of like public enemy number one because she's the best game designer, hence getting people, uh, I don't want to say addicted, but in their minds, addicted or hooked on this false reality. She's kind of like a false prophet. Okay. They want people living in the real world, not spending all the time. What's the Spielberg movie where they're all in the, I didn't see it, but they're all in the game. Oh, Ready Player VR. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. The idea that people will live their whole lives and the fear of the movie seems to be that people will, mm-hmm. or, or some part of the movie, mm-hmm. people will live their whole life in this virtual place as opposed to in a real substantive world. And that that is worth killing over, according to these yeah. people. Yeah, apparently. We'll take you out of the entire world. Right. <laughs> it's Really? That many people could get up to form a militia? Right. I'm confu- That's the thing, I guess, is because we never really see the real world in this game. I'm like, are is it is is that what it is? Is it is it an army of militia or is it like you know internet trolls? Like, I <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that like that. '99 is such a weird time mm. for this, by the way, because that's true. Games and the internet were at mm. this level that we're like it's it's far away from what it is now, 
but it wasn't, you know, the 1980s or 70s. Like the internet and video games definitely existed at this time. Oh, yeah. It wasn't as worldwide as it is now. Right. And I'm not trying to say that to the credit of this movie. I'm just saying 1999 is a weird time. I mean, it's a weird time in cinema, which is something I'll talk about here in a little bit. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It feels like the movie's making a stab at where it thinks the stuff is all going. The thing that bothered me the most about this movie on this watch is that it felt really lazy in Mm. a way that Cronenberg doesn't always feel lazy to me. And maybe because he is writing it and directing it, so it's all coming out of his brain. So we're just sort of getting all of his you know, uh, um, uh, prejudices and phobias and without... the, the filter of a narrative that's that's a little that's been that's been tested a little more, and mm. so which is why I think to Sari's point, it feels like a lot of times things happen just for the moment, as opposed to for the rest of the movie. Which is why that tooth gun thing is so cool, and when that comes up once or twice more, that's cool. But then th- there's been so much time explaining what's going on, and without ever thinking through, is this a world enough people would want to spend enough time in that there would be people who would kill to keep you from spending time in this world? Yeah, because it is uh, this again. This is the only game we see and then the idea that she designed this game and then has no idea when she's in it what's going on in the game mm-hmm. you know it's it's very unclear to me and again maybe in the end we find out that in the quote-unquote real world she's not actually the game designer she's just playing one in the game it's all it all it doesn't add up i don't think the movie adds up at all right mm-hmm. and i guess you know on a certain level not all movies have to add up Right. Like it, it, it's OK if they don't sometimes to leave you with mystery and to leave you wondering. I think some of Cronenberg's uh, he does a film called Spider um, mm-hmm. with uh, Ray Fiennes, which doesn't all add up, but it's not about the adding up. It's about the character that he's working with. And it's it's really brilliant. Uh, at least the performances. Um, and a character who's insane. Yes. So and we're it's very subjective to his mind in that movie. So, right. you know, that there's a reason that it doesn't add up. Exactly. And in here, like, I don't find the reasons. Like, mm-hmm. this should add up to something. Like, that's the great thing about Inception, I think, is in Inception, there, it adds up to something. And there is a reason for me. There is a reason <laughs> um, that that twist at the end is meaningful the 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 twist that he may not be mm-hmm. actually in reality that's that's a good yeah and there's no meaning for that here it, it to me i didn't in in existence i don't i don't know why it was, is i think it was just to pull the rug out from under us or a twist for the sake of a twist um at times yeah i i think there could have been a little more development in that development in that world that they're like the first world they established or some questionings of the reality they're in, not just by Drew Law, but by uh, Jennifer Allegra Geller, mm-hmm. the character. So I'm never not going to laugh at that. I know. <laughs> I, I, oh, sidebar. I, I had a problem with the name Ted Pickle. Pickle? Pickle. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised she pronounced that right right away. She looked at his name and went, Pickle. I was like, no, that's Pickle. <laughs> totally Pickle. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a nice little joke? Pickle? No, no Pickle. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't go for that little joke. But yeah, the the I don't want to say it was shallow and that it didn't develop that question of what is reality well enough, because it's, I'm I'm trying not to compare it to Inception or The Matrix too much, but both of those other or movies, the Thirteenth Floor or, or Dark City. <laughs> there, there was enough of where am I? What is reality going on in those other movies that I don't think this movie invested enough in, and maybe it was trying too hard to avoid that. I, I to, to to voice a little dissent on um, the lavish praise of Inception, which is a movie I find so pretentious, it gives me hives. <laughs> I'm there with you, um, and and I like this movie better than I would rather watch this movie than Inception. Okay, well I'm done. Um, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with a reasonable. Uh, crew of people. Yes, I know. To talk about my, this. my Nolan feelings will always. This will always happen for that. Inception's um, the only one that holds up for me. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think that I I do, I do like that this movie is. Um, not the very last twist, but there's a place right before the last twist where where I do begin to wonder truly what the heck is going on and there feels like there could be no floor to this thing Mm. like maybe i have become lost in this thing somewhere in before the final confrontation in a way that so before they they pull the guns off the dog 
Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Maybe even before they get back to that quote unquote sure. real world. Yeah, There's yeah, a yeah. place there where it feels like we're just going to, she she turns around at one point right before we, we go back to what we presume at one point is reality and she's got a new kind of headset on mm-hmm. and a new, yeah. like a new controller for the game. Yeah. And, and as those moments are happening in that three quarters of the way through the movie section, it feels to me a, like it has a little bit more courage than something like The Matrix uh, or, or th- that's telling you this is reality, mm-hmm. this is the matrix. Mm-hmm. And then you're having to choose between the two as opposed to the the, the, the floor just keeps dropping out and like you, we may all be lost in a thing. Yeah. And and I there's something in there that I, I like that, that, that it's able to actually make me feel that as opposed to just think about it in a way that some of these other movies are maybe a little more... Um, I don't know. They're more, not, I don't want to say cerebral, but a little more intellectual as opposed to visceral. And this one gets, yeah. at, a, gets at that a little more viscerally, I think. I agree with that. That's a really good way of putting it. Uh, the, I, I, I agree with that too. Yeah. The feeling of being just as disoriented as these characters mm. as you're watching it. Like you can see them struggling to grasp what is reality, where they've seen someone before, like who's on what side. And as they're figuring it out, there are some places where it just becomes so overwhelming and confusing and whether or not that was intentional is arguable but you're in it with them and Mm. that is a very visceral reaction of okay they've got to find this thing and like slough through this goo (laughs) and figure it out and you don't even know which layer of reality they're on anymore and where they've jumped and that that really puts you into like you're in the thick of it with them or at least I was when watching it and I think it comes to personal preference at some point Mm -hmm. because like I I tend to need characters I can not even identify with, but at least see Mm -hmm. how they feel Mm -hmm. about things. And I did not get that from any of these characters. Totally. Um, it also has one of the worst movie things that I that I hate that it's everybody else is fine with, but it's all a bunch of people whispering to each other in this movie, and I hate it. I, I hate ASMR, and I hate it in movies, um, and it has kept me from liking a couple of very good movies like Lars and the Real Girl. So there's there was that wall that I couldn't get through on this, but I agree. I love that that where everything's just going crazy at that point. And there's explosions, and you're like. Okay, what I don't know where this is going at this point. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen the movie and I'm still kind of like where could this go? This could go in so many delightful different directions. And I like the idea of the bottom keeps dropping out. And there's there's no floor as you put it. I think that's wonderful. Um and it was one of the few things like I was never a huge fan of the Matrix. Like I like it. I think it's a perfectly good science fiction movie. Um and then The Matrix 2 came out <laughs> and I didn't like much of it, but it ends with a moment that is this moment where Neo is supposedly in the real world, but he's able to control the machines with his mind, which immediately makes you think we're deeper into this than we thought we were, right? Mm. Like, oh God, we're not in reality. Because if he can do that, because his whole thing is being able to do this all with code and and everything. And then in the third one, they just make him fucking Jedi Knight or something. I don't know. He's not, he's not, it's not, it is reality, but he can use the force. I don't know. It, and it's stupid. <laughs> but like that moment at the end made me go, oh, I don't care that this movie's kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. This idea is fascinating. And I would say that this movie does deliver on that in a way that's like, what's reality anymore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're too deep. We can't know. Um, but I couldn't get back from the overall. Also, Cronenberg has an interesting thing that his, it may just be because he's not a traditional quote unquote filmmaker. His third acts come out of nowhere. (laughs) Usually where you're like, Oh shit, movie's over. Um, and that's what happened here. Like, it seems like we're building to a second act climax with this, with all of the rebels bombing everything. And, um, that was a relatively short scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're we're done. <laughs> now we're to the denouement. And <laughs> and it's and but that is true in Eastern Promises. It's true in A History of Violence. Around, yeah. Um both movies I like. I, I think both of those movies I like and I think it's because of the characters in there. And I guess if I keep coming back to it the thing that kept me out of this was I just I had no characters to latch on to. Totally. For no, me again. Totally. Yep. Um so let's talk about sex. Baby, Baby. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about you and me. Is that how that song yeah. goes? Let's talk about all the good things. Da, da, da. I don't know. Sorry, sorry. I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, we're so hip and with it. Um, For 80s hip hop. 
I, w- watching it this time, the first time there's some very obvious cues that this is about sex in some way. Um, you know, I, I had talked to Sari about like, is this like a, is there, is this movie about being closeted in some way and, and trapped? I, I, Cause like, he's never, the way it's talking is like, he's never had sex is what this is amounting to, right? Mm. Specifically, he was like, I've never been penetrated before. He says before. that, right? Yeah, he literally says that. And these things look like buttholes. They do. Very <laughs> specifically. So yeah. It's like, You're getting jacked in your butthole yeah. for this. You know, it's it's fairly obvious. But again, I, um, Sam and Rachel on Real Love just reviewed um, An American Werewolf in London, which is one of my favorite films. Um, and... They talked about Sam specifically brought up the idea that like he thinks this movie is about something and it frustrates him because he can't figure it out. Hmm. And that's how I feel about existence. Hmm. I think there's something much deeper going on here because Cronenberg is not not in any way intellectually, you know, he's not a dummy. Mm -hmm. Like he's a very smart person. But I can't figure it out, and it frustrates me. And through the whole thing, I'm like, well, what are we really talking about? And I get frustrated. Tobin, our resident film expert. (sighs) (laughs) Tell us what it means. What does it mean? (laughs) This is where I think the laziness comes in. He's got two or three interesting ideas about reality, about gaming in some way, about of sex about and, and phobias that he has that I don't yeah. know that he fully understands or, or thought through and he sort of puts them all in a stew and then you know you know stirs it all up and then serves it to us like a bunch of amphibious parts in huh. a Chinese <laughs> restaurant in this movie and and so I think there I think that th- therefore they're all kind of these tantalizing clues that like oh um, look more closely at this this must lead to something yeah and I don't know that it, for me anyway those almost always dead end in this movie mm-hmm. and it, because then he becomes interested in something else kind of shiny and and I feel like there were it felt to me like a movie with a very gifted filmmaker where, where nobody is there to say, mm, let's take one more pass on that and choose a lane and do that thing. That's how it felt to me. Yeah, because there there are times that we would start to circle back, um, like the idea of becoming infected. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the idea of then uh, her whole uh, thing becomes infected. Her mm-hmm. controller right. becomes infected, mm-hmm. and they have to you know they have to kill it. And then, uh, you know, that was an effective sequence actually, because then like the infected spores are raining from the sky and like, it was like, Whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling like I'm in danger. Like, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is bad. And then they just never go back. Oh, they made a copy of it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And it, so I, yeah, it was a frustrating thing. I kept trying to figure it out. Yeah, are we meant to read this as is an AIDS corollary, or is this a computer virus thing? Or yeah, like I, 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 it felt like it, again it was trying to maybe be too many things and not deep enough into one to mean anything to me. Anyway. Right, and looking at even like the timeline, nineteen ninety nine seems later than most people would have been making films about that. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you can't, obviously, yeah. um, or shouldn't. But yeah, like, I don't know. It, I, I was just grasping really hard, especially on this viewing. Because like the first time I was just sort of letting it wash over me and just being grossed out the whole time. <laughs> I mean, that scene where he's eating, the, it has to f- rebuild the gun, is one of the most disgusting <laughs> things I have ever had to endure. And I've watched a lot of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> that, I... I it's so bad. Even the character comments on it, on how disgusting it is. Like he that he can't stop because the 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 computer has taken over and is making decisions for him at that point. Right. And the building of that gun, it, I, I I might be kind of scarred from that sequence. Mm. Like it is fucking disgusting. I thought it was cool. I think, <laughs> but I think, yeah. this racist ass yeah. Chinese restaurant made me mad though. The oh, fact that it was yeah. like, oh, let's go to the Chinese restaurant in the woods and they'll feed you weird amphibian parts. And we call the waiter the Chinese waiter. <laughs> yeah. But I think that was them searching for the name of a game character. Not not defending that. Oh, yeah. But I was no. just like, Jenna and I were looking at each other going, like, why did they call him Chinese waiter? Well, can you imagine if you're the if you're a Chinese man? And you go to this game thing, and then you get stuck in the Chinese waiter ca- character. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, and be like, here, serve them your special dish. It's like mutated amphibians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, there's no excuse for that. Yeah. No. Load of garbage. So that's a load of garbage. But I thought the gun building thing was very cool. Yeah. Why? I just thought it was, 
it was gross, but it, uh, okay. So isolated from any themes of the movie, I have an, another point to that. But okay. I just thought it was a very interesting, gross, kind of brutal moment to put a character through. Like if you were playing a game and if you signed up for this experience where you were pushing yourself to some limit mm-hmm. within the confines of a virtual reality and you are in it 100%, you're experiencing something that you never would put your normal real life body through, but your brain is going through. Yeah, make yourself do a weird challenge where you have to... You're going to be on Fear Factor. Yeah, you're going to be on Fear Factor. You're going to consume this weird thing. And that seems very video game... This felt like a very video gamey scene to me. Okay. Where it's like, you're given a, an object and this is a puzzle that you have to solve mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Like, whether he was controlling it or not, I think, like you said, and... Judah's character said, uh, Ted. Uh, Pikel. Pikel. <laughs> Mr. Pikel. Mr. Pickle. Um, <laughs> was just, like, he, he was on autopilot as he was eating it and didn't mm. want to, but it felt very much like, a, okay, you have to dig through this thing and then something is going to come out of it. You get all these pieces, you have to click them together in some way, and then, oh, you realize that you have a gun, and that felt very game gamified. To very me. Uh, Resident Evil-ish. Yeah. yeah, 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 like horror game. And if you signed up for like an extreme game <laughs> experience, an experimental game experience, that fits right mm. in for me. Mm. I'm starting to think about how I could fix this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the idea of this experimental extreme game experience, mm-hmm. which is, I think, what he was probably going for. Yeah. But that that's the only real mm. moment. Well, no, I, I think also getting the uh, the plug um, sure. was getting ported. pretty harrowing mm-hmm. um, as well. And Willem Dafoe played that so well. Mm-hmm. He's so good. Yeah, <laughs> Even when it's a crap movie, he's so good. Mm-hmm. I was happy to see him and sad to see him go. I mean, I and then when he comes back at the end, he was sad to see him go. Yeah. He was the one yeah. who was like, "Well, I got knocked out pretty early, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah." <laughs> but he was, it was, it was it, the cast. I can't say enough nice about the cast. Such a good cast. There is something in that scene about, uh, or in the other parts of the movie too, I, that I think contributes to my feeling of of the, the visceralness of it. The idea that you're compelled to do something by an instinct or by your brain that you don't want to be doing, that you find mm. disgusting. Mm-hmm. That that. That dissonance is a horrifying thing. Oh yeah, and, and that is, I think, I think that that scene gets that's why it curls on, gets under my skin. Is that like I don't want to be doing this, but I have to do it. But I, and that sort of tension is kind of fascinating. And absolutely, in that moment, I think that works. I don't know what that means, but I, I think to go with what you said earlier about choosing a lane, that's another route this movie could have taken. Is these characters, or or these people who are playing characters, could have fought or resisted that more when they're in the first game within a game and they're about to insert the little baby games into themselves within the game. There is a little <laughs> resistance to that where uh, Jude, Law char- Jude Law's character is like, why did I say that? I don't act like that. And that's sort of the biggest pushback I think against it. There are some, there is some talk later about, Oh, did we kill a person in real life? Or is this where it ends or stops kind of stuff? But that's another route that the movie doesn't really fully dive into and and yeah so the I, idea of yeah. like you you could have had more dealing with free will absolutely and things right. um yeah that that is fascinating and the idea of like um that it's very interesting that you bring that up that, that sparks a thought of like oh yeah i mean there are those there are moments in skyrim where you have to do something in order for the story to go beyond and you don't want to do it mm. you're like oh this seems terrible mm-hmm. but like well i got to get the you know i'm too far in at this point <laughs> you know i have to get it going and then having them grapple with that and they kind of did that where he has to shoot the waiter kind of but not like they, then they didn't do it ever again right. is the thing and yeah, I, I think again that could have been a direction they could have gone mm-hmm. with it. I say they, it was one person, Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. What was your other point that you said you wanted to bring up about? Um, oh, it was when Tobin was talking about the the ways in which things didn't line up. It made me think of a particular scene that made me th- realize that the movie didn't have a way to link all these things together. For me, it was when Allegra brought her game pod to be repaired and he was dissecting it open because mm-hmm. I always latch on to the science in these movies. And science is a good way you can explain science fiction. Sure. But he was like, this pod is made from amphibian like eggs mm-hmm. and synthetic DNA, 
which are both organic, ultimately organic materials. Um, and like amphibians was a cool choice because that plays into the body modification theme. Like they're a species or not a species. They're a type of animal that metamorphosizes or mm. into different things, like has different stages. But there was no explanation for how the technology played into this organic fleshy controller. It was just as far as they explained the science, as far as I caught on to, it's like, no, this thing is made of flesh. That's it. And there's moving some, on. Yeah. yeah. There, there's something to do with like short data being stored in DNA is like something people are looking into, but that wasn't explored or explained in this movie at all. It was just like, here's your flesh pod that we have engineered to be a flesh pod that we're just going to plug in. And somehow it holds a video game. And that's when it was like, that could have been the place for me to tie in video game and organic and the body horror with the computer horror and are we like cyborgs now at this point but they just didn't tie them together and so those were two divergent threads throughout the whole film I I think that's a good point I think they really wanted to touch upon how that they wanted to ask where do you and video games begin and end at times especially now in modern times the the good old times we we have VR headsets and, you know, motion controls and, you know, AR interactions and all that just really cool stuff. But again, it's 1999. We're not there yet. And I I think that's a good point you bring up and that they didn't really, I don't think they had the science to explain why it worked bioengineering organically or mechanically or however, but they really wanted to get on that extension of your body thing. And there's just these two things that should have been interconnected and they just sort of rode parallel to one another. So an interesting point that I have is like, if you look at something like Dishonored, uh, which is, uh, they have Dishonored and Dishonored 2, which is a first person sort of shooter, but it's it's uh, also a stealth game. Uh, but it takes place in an alternate universe steampunk. Uh, the only power I think is whale oil and whale fat um, hmm. that, that they've used. And the, the society's kind of crumbling. They don't talk too much about how we got here. Or, or anything. It's you, you exist in the world. Um, and I think a lot of that can work. I think it can work in science fiction movies and everything. But for some reason, I couldn't... Everything that happened in here, like where they're opening up and dissecting her pod, I'm like, okay, but why did you make it that way? Are we in a different universe? Like if we were in a steampunk universe or if we were in a, a, a just enough of a future to... So where all technology had kind of become this way, I could buy it then. But with it, when you get this specific, where it seems like nothing else is different, like they're they're in a regular old van, the <laughs> the tooth gun is weird to everybody. Everybody's like, mm-hmm. "What the hell is that?" You know, the the porting, it, it, nothing else seems out of the normal except this thing. His cell phone was fleshy or something. Was it? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was the pink light up phone. Was it? Was it was like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What it was in the car. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> he like was a, like holding it. it was like yeah, a, totally. Like an alien egg thing that yeah. lit up, right? Really? Yeah. Like a, yeah. yeah. I missed that. And there's completely. no way you can tell who's calling you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pink. <laughs> it's pink. It must be mom. Yeah, it's different colors. That's Purple, what it is. That's yeah. Father. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So there were a couple things, I guess, then that they were trying to do. But for me, every time any little bit of tech was right. involved, I ended up going, okay, but why? Tell me, tell me, tell me how we got here. Where are we? Um, and so it just ended up leaving me really cold because of that. And it feels then like they're, like it's supposed to be a metaphor for something. Yes. But I don't know what. I don't know what. <laughs> I'm, I'm having trouble figuring out what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the fly is easy. You know, the body horror in the fly makes mm-hmm. sense. It is easy. It's linked back to fear of technology as well as fear of the body breaking down, fear of cancer, fear of disease. You know, like that all makes sense. It's also, it's really rooted in a fear of science, you know, and a, a, a fear of pushing things too far and stuff like that. That that all makes sense. But here it's just, it feels all over the map. Like that is the, that is the problem that I have with it. It's all over the map. I can deal with gross scenes. I can deal with, you know, being, um, I can deal with characters that I don't really care for, but there was it's just too many strands, I think, that I couldn't loop back around <laughs> to make sense of much of anything. 
Plus, I love Inception. And, <laughs> and uh, you know. Welcome back. Alone. Tobin's yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Tobin and I agree about 99% of film stuff. <laughs> Maybe so. more. Yeah. 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 Inception might be our one disagreement. <laughs> That's fine. shatter your friendship. <laughs> I think a lot of my, like, defense of the plot of this movie goes back to the final, or not back, toward the final twist. With it, the gun dog? With the with the gun dog, okay, and, and that, <laughs> there are a lot of twists right in within like five minutes be, because so. the the main developer who sorry I can't remember the name of he he mentions that oh there's a lot of anti gaming or sentiment in this in this game we ended up playing so maybe one of our testers believed that so then I went back to think oh maybe the flesh pods are a, maybe this game which is the movie that we're watching before the final twist is influenced by the minds of the people in it. So maybe the fleshy game pods were the creation of the people's ideas. Oh, I had never thought about that. Because the game, the the, the, the controllers they have in the quote-unquote real world mm-hmm. are blue and metallic. They look metallic, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they're not plugged hard. into you. It looks like you just wear, wear them, it, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like a headset. Yeah. Right. And so I had not thought about that... that Maybe, and I don't think this excuses the movie, but if the ideology of the movie is confused, it's because there's competing ideologies of the players in the game, with huh. each with their own fears and phobias and agendas and loves. And This sounds like a poorly designed game. Yeah. yeah. And I must say, I'm, I mean, in no, this in no way to say that the movie's good. I'm just, I had never thought about that. That's, that is a different... It's a different take. Cast on it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe someone who looks like Willem Dafoe dreamed of being a gas station attendant. Maybe. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Jude Law's character, because they establish in the quote-unquote real world that he's like in a relationship with Allegra. Allegra. And I... so maybe he has some deep-seated personal fears about mm. his sexuality or things like that, and that's what they're trying to say if we're following this thread of their subconsciouses were right influence uh. or conscious minds were influencing the game but before we can think about that we take a hard left turn yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they're assassins yeah and generally i like last minute twists in movies where because this one wasn't even a huge twist where the guy where they point the guns they point their guns at the guy who played the waiter and he says wait wait tell me, are we still in the game? I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's fine. It's, so it's not the twist at the end that bothers me. It's everything that leads up to the twist. Um, because yeah, that would make sense that they're still in this game. Cause as you said, there's, you know, there's no floor. <laughs> there's no way to know, but eh, <laughs> I think I'm just more, I don't know. I, I think this movie for me, it, it works. It, it falls it's it's a little bit of this is my fault because I'm bringing <laughs> such high expectations from Cronenberg because a lot of his movies deeply affected me for good and bad for like nightmare and dream. I he is very capable of doing things that are just not present in this film. Does that make it a bad film? I don't know if it does. I, I can see the problems with this film, but I don't know if they're. You know, I don't know if they're pushing it over the cliff because um, like, Sari, I don't know. You talked about it now uh, for, you know, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Do you like it any more? <laughs> Do you like it any less? Like what have your feelings changed? Or are you still puzzled by it? I'm still puzzled by it. I think the things that I like about it, I'm like digging my heels in and I do like about it. Like sure. the, the elements that I think worked, I think worked really well. I think my overall opinion is that it feels like a rough draft of a Black Mirror episode almost. Sure. And I don't like particularly like Black Mirror. It's it's okay. But I think sometimes it can be a little heavy handed and it's, oh, the future is scary. Technology is scary sentiments. Um, I mean, there's only so much you can do with an anthology series like yeah, that. It's, it, yes. Twilight Zone also has some absolutely brilliant episodes that, I mean, seriously, you still watch today and are like, holy crap, mm-hmm. they pulled that off. To its credit, there are some episodes of Black Mirror I very much like, but that's what this felt like, where it was yeah. like kind of fleshing out, not pun <laughs> not intended, uh, vague ideas about fears and technology 
And so it, it felt like a rough draft. Like, I don't know. I think Tobin used that phrasing in some sentence. And so, yeah, I liked it. I think I like it a little bit more than when I entered the conversation because I can identify things that I liked. Bill, are you still pissed off at it? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, it's one of those movies where I want there to be more meaning and maybe there's something that I missed, but I also don't think that's the case. <laughs> I, I think that there was too many ways this movie could have gone and it didn't really commit to one specific mm. way. I'm really glad you brought up Black Mirror and that you said Twilight Zone because I thought, to me, this came off as an overlong episode of the Twilight Zone. And I think this movie could either been half the length it was, which is an episode of the Twilight Zone, or longer to explain this this final act. Where or miniseries. Yeah, th- this, this could have gone either way in terms of length. Cool. And it was just 97 minutes and I was glad it was over. I think your <laughs> wife was really glad it was over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a film, if you're not prepared for, this is a weird film. Like, it's weird i texted tobin this is weirdy weird 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 weird. i got that text from you too because i yeah my my one text to nick while watching this was this is weird (laughs) (laughs) and that was it that's all you need to say man (laughs) well then at that point i think it's time to move on to how we would fix this particular thing if we even think it needs fixing tobin let's start with you (laughs) you looked really thoughtful well, I, I, I imagine we're all going to say a version of the same thing, which is to pick a lane. So I'm just going to pick one of them. I like this idea that the floor, the, there's no floor, the bottom keeps dropping out. And I feel like there's a way to do that if the worlds that they're in are are maybe um, more distinct a little bit. Sure. Or mm-hmm. um, if we were, if there was, a, if the goal was a little more, a little bit more clear. Um, but I think, I think I would, uh, if, if, if this script came to me and they were saying, what do we do now? Because this is our first draft. I'd say, let's, I would say, let's focus on, on, on creating that idea a little bit earlier in the movie and then like living in it a little bit, which I don't think the movie does. So that's, that's sort of where I'd go with it. Okay. Sari, what are your thoughts? I think I would lean into the gamified aspect of it because that's what I thought was the most interesting part of the layers and what I thought that the movie would be because it's opened with this is a game demo. So really leaning into the idea of are these characters in control of themselves while they're in the game and when do they lose control? Um, Leaning into themes of having to make hard choices to advance a game forward and move on to the next level, which is some level of weirder or spookier or stranger um, and losing that sense of reality as you're progressing through this game, because you've just become so wrapped up in the mythos of it. Um, I would probably cut out all most of the body horror. That is an idea that I have is instead of having an umbilical cord that plugs into your spine in a butt like location, I would lean into the the cerebral aspects of it maybe and either have it plug into like be a brain case Mm -hmm. and plug straight into your brain or like into your arm like a vein, like a lifeblood sort of thing. So like Mm -hmm. sort of blending the idea between you need – I liked the – I liked the inkling of the theme of you need this game to survive um, or you become one with the game Mm. or you become lost in the game. So Mm. leaning into that instead of like the sexuality themes, I think would make it a little bit more cohesive too. like you can still have an invasive controller, but have that invasive controller be a more vital organ. Um, And yeah, I don't know, make it like a very creepy video game experience. Mm. And that would be cool. Indeed. Bill. I think we're just going to keep building off of one another. I, I do wish that there was... I don't know. Does yours involve clowns? Not yet. Okay. Should I <laughs> Should I work on that? Uh, I, I think the we talked about briefly just the, the movie palette as a whole, uh, there's not a lot of changes between scene to scene, even if we are going deeper or into and out of reality and games. I think the most... I don't want to say outstanding, but the most out of place scene or setting in this movie is the the sort of bazaar or marketplace they go to when they get the the mini game, mm-hmm. uh, and that seems like the most like a here's level one demo land and all that, and and that's that's sort of it for the most gamified setting in this movie. I, I thought you know maybe when they're at the trial farm, maybe the, the, like there's a certain color palette going on, or when they're in this level, 
you know, because levels are still a concept of games where this level is the night level and this is the underwater level. And there wasn't much of that. It was all kind of just one. The colors stayed consistent. The outfits were pretty consistent. The, the way they looked, like I think Jude Law's hair changed once. Well, Jennifer Jason Lee's hair was either crimped or not crimped. Or half crimped. Or half crimped. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice. Yep. And his hair was, anyway, each of them have three hairstyles. So yeah, I, I thought there could have just been a little more changes in that, especially, I, I don't know, I think, I don't know what it is about Jude Law's face, but I think it's malleable, so you can make him look like whatever you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, guys. Uh, but yeah, so I thought that could have been one way. And and again, the movie sticking to a route and questioning maybe the morality or ethical choices of their actions would have been something I would have been interested in. And the movie ending, just just a little more like, not not just saying are we in a game, but saying like are you sure of the choices you're making? I mm. thought I'd have been I would have been a little more invested in that. Hmm. Yeah, I you know for me I think uh, you made the point of making it either longer or shorter. I would love to see something like this as a as a twelve episode Netflix series. You can keep the body horror. You can keep uh, a lot of what's there. I just want more to for me to be able to understand the themes and to be able to understand what's it what's at risk that was another thing i didn't understand the stakes like i would love a nightmarish series where they are trapped in a game mm-hmm. and we don't know what the outside world looks like mm-hmm. like we we're never exposed to it but they know they're in a game and they keep jumping around from place to place and so by the time you get to the end it's a it's a surprise um and still keep, you know, like I said, keep all of the body horror. That if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I would like more purpose to it. So that's it for me. I, I think this would, would be better spaced out as like a, a series or two or three. You know, you could do. I would love to see something like this um, done as, you know, these are our protagonists for this mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. But the next season we have different protagonists. So the game is going to be different and stuff like that. So it's a great yeah. idea. That's how I do it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No clown, so. Um, okay, uh, let's move on to rate this sucker. Uh, we need to basically, we each have our own systems of rating things. Um, Tobin, we're going to start with you. Okay. <laughs> um, how many Torgos? Yes, my Torgo scale. This is a f- one to five Torgos. How much is there worth uh, uh, watching this movie for? I'm going to say this is a three Torgo movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say you get one for the performances, particularly our leads, but ever, but Don McKellar is great in it as the guy who's ultimately the game designer and he has long hair in the trap farm. Like they're great. A lot of Canadian great Sarah Polly's in the last scene of this oh, movie. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> and I love Sarah Polly. And so, um, uh, so one for that, one for this, the the that feeling it does give me as a sort of bottom is dropping out, and one for when the body horror works, like the eating uh, the thing and making the gun scene that works really well. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give it three, three Torgo. Excellent, Sari. Uh, I have my very convoluted scale of what kind of trash is this movie because there's good trash, there's bad trash, and it changes, I feel like, every episode. Um, so for this definition's sake, it's if I could take every copy of this movie and put it in a trash receptacle, what would that be? Um, and I think I would put it in some sort of like middle tier thrift shop that not a lot of people go to, but <laughs> you're just kind of like browsing through the DVD bin there. And then you find it, and it's a weird cover, very bright orange. If it's anything like the... it looks like an almost like it's supposed to be an action, yeah, film, mm-hmm. which it is not. Yeah, <laughs> it's like very bizarre. I had no idea what I was getting into when I clicked play, um, and so maybe someone will look at it and like pick it up and ponder over it, put it on, uh, and be creeped out by it, uh, or, get, be or be fascinated, or be fascinated by it. It'll make you think, and then. Maybe that will inspire them. Like I, I feel like the the good parts of it have made me think about how I would make a video game like story. So maybe mm-hmm. they'll get inspired by it. So yeah, this is like relatively good trash. Sweet. The <laughs> end. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, the good, the good side of good is coming down here. Um, Bill, I don't think you're going to echo that. What? <laughs> how do? You, how does your rating system sort this out? Uh, so, as you might know, I don't have a standard mo- movie rating system, but I watch these movies my, with my wife, who I love very much. And uh, during certain odd scenes, she gives a particular look. Um, and f- so, for this movie, I jotted down. This this is going to be a little different. I draw it down 15 looks, 
And then I just drew a line. <laughs> and then Jenna wanted me, I'm sorry I have to say this, Nick, but if I don't, Jenna might be mad at me. She wants me to know she's very upset with you. Okay. She wants... She, Look, she, yeah. spouses... <laughs> Of people who appear on this, <laughs> significant others of people who appear on this show, I apologize. <laughs> like, you're not going to be on the show, but you still have to have this thing playing. You know, I, I, I could have done better to prepare her. <laughs> yeah, you'd seen it before. I'd seen this before. I'd forgotten a lot of it, but some things I was like, yeah, I should have seen this coming. I forgot about the port licking scene. Portland. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's it. 15 on a line. This is probably the this is probably the record so far. Wow. Yeah. Uh well, my new rating system is uh what Star Wars movie is it? That's a great <laughs> yeah. I love, I love, I love, I love it. it. <laughs> it's uh yeah. This is the Phantom Menace. There's stuff in it I like, <laughs> but it's ugly. And its ideas don't go together. Mm-hmm. I might watch it again, um, but it is definitely not. If like all of Cronenberg's films are, are are Star Wars movies, I'm not coming back to this one. Like, are, are there are other Cronenberg movies I would rather not watch mm-hmm. than this one? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's my least favorite Cronenberg. I don't like Shivers. Like that's mm-hmm. I think his first feature, and I just don't I just don't care for it at all. This one, there are ideas in it that I'm like, ah. Just like with the Phantom Menace, Darth Maul. Like I like everything with Darth Maul. So this is the Phantom Menace. I guess Darth Maul would be the bone gun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or the dog. I, I think Darth Maul is just the idea of a multi-layered video game that people are trapped in and they're trying to figure out. I like that idea. And I like the cast a lot. That's the other thing with the Phantom Menace, with the exception of one actor. I love that whole cast. So, yeah. There we go. I like my new rating system. Um, and since they'll make Star Wars movies until the sun burns out, I'll always be able to tack on mm-hmm. stuff to it. Finally, we need to do the segment where we try to get the uh, <laughs> the taste of this out of your mouth. I could taste this movie, and it wasn't a good taste, um, by recommending something that we consider real good. Bill, I'm going to have you start. I'm glad I'm, glad I'm starting. I'm going to go ahead and recommend something that's, I don't want to say too much of a mind flick but uh total recall oh Ooh, hey there yeah. you go yeah you you get thoughts implanted in you you may not know where reality begins and ends and the action was pretty fun i completely forgot about total recall you're talking about the schwarzenegger version right? oh yeah okay good. good call yeah that is a really good call sari okay i did a bad job with my real good assignment uh <laughs> okay uh i haven't watched very many films like this before uh, and so I'm defaulting to TV, and then I couldn't think of a lot of TV that I've watched like this before, besides like Black Mirror. So I'm going to recommend The Good Place. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Because this film, I felt like had a lot of twists, and you had to keep readjusting your sense of reality. And these characters were kind of trapped in a world where they weren't sure of their identities, and had to keep constantly revising their idea of what reality was and who they were within it. And I think The Good Place is a TV show that does that very, very well and teaches you ethics at the same time. I think I think that's an excellent show, even if it doesn't attach to this movie. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Excellent. Just, yeah. Tobin, what's your real good? So the year this movie came out, it won a silver bear at the Berlin Film Festival. It won one of the awards. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to see what won the top prize. And it's a movie that I love uh, that came out the same year that also transports me to a different place in the way that the best moments of this movie, I sort of lose myself in this briefly <laughs> in, in this in this disgusting world. And that's The Thin Red Line, the Terrence Malick oh, movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, which is a movie I, I really admire. And, and it transports me for longer stretches and um, uh, is also at times there's some body horror in it because it is about World War II. Um, but it's I think it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. So Thin Red Line by Terrence Malick. Excellent. I'm going to recommend a book, a uh, book series, actually, uh, that is called Otherland by Tad Williams. And it is a four book series um, that is about a virtual reality slash game place um, where everybody goes and everybody lives in the the mystery of that book series is truly 
amazing, wonderful, and when you figure out everything that's going on, absolutely heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It is uh, a wonderful fantasy book series. So yeah, T- uh, Tad Williams' Otherland. Um, I've recommended it to other people before I stand by it. That is a, it is a, a really, really good series. So yeah, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, Tobin, you have a podcast. I do. Tell us about it. It's called The Contenders. My sister and I have this podcast about uh, movies uh, directed by and or starring um, uh, fearless women. Our next episode is going to be about uh, Ghostbusters, the reboot of Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. And we have a a, um, professor who has written a book or is in the process of writing a book about the uh, online comment backlash to the trailer. And uh, we had a great discussion about it. So look, look for that. I am very excited to hear about that. Yeah. Sari, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at C.E. Riley and a new podcast that will come out later this year, SciShow Tangents. Yay! Yay, that we can finally talk about. Very excited about this. Very excited. I do science there instead of film stuff, but yeah. <laughs> you all go kinds back of and interests. forth. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do anyway. <laughs> and you'll be back next week. For our last movie in our Halloween spooktacular, yeah, um, which is the 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 mutilator, <laughs> which will be very different, <laughs> very different. Yes, it's it's something. Bill, <laughs> uh, you work on SciShow, SciShow, and SciShow Kids. Excellent. Yes. Uh, keep that up because I think they're both excellent shows. <laughs> Thank you. I will. Good. Yeah. Don't quit your job, <laughs> please. Not on account of me. Uh, Real Bad is a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me and check out a bunch of our other podcasts. Also, the show Watch the Therone is coming to a close. And in honor of that, Cage Club is having an awards show in Charlize's honor, the Chrome Teeth Awards. And you can go vote for things like best fight scene, best death scene, or best dance scene from Charlize's films. Just head over to cageclub.me and you can vote for the next three weeks, which should be cool. Also, the best fight scene is the stairway fight scene in Atomic Blonde. I'm just saying. Big shout out to our uh, patrons for helping us out, specifically Carly B and I Love It podcast. Uh, much appreciated. You can go to patreon.com slash realbadpod and check out some of our different tiers if you'd like to contribute to help us out along the way. We really appreciate it. And you can be like Carly B and actually suggest a movie uh, for us to do on this podcast. And we had a good time with this. This is, I'm not sure this was a bad movie necessarily, but my lord, was it unpleasant. So yeah, we'll be back next week with The Mutilator. And until then, this has been Real Bad.